Welcome to the money series. This is an integral part of your introduction to a prosperity consciousness. There are laws for both prosperity and poverty. The laws don't care what your race, sex, politics, philosophy, or religious beliefs are. The law of prosperity doesn't care if you come from intergenerational poverty or if you come from wealth. No matter who you are, as long as you put these ideas into practice, you will indeed experience an increase in your prosperity. The only question remains is, will you choose to adopt these principles into your daily life? Coach Noel has helped people from all over the world break cycles of poverty in their lives and has helped people achieve both six and seven figure income levels. Pay attention to what he is about to share with you, then put the ideas into practice. We look forward to hearing all about your financial breakthroughs. Enjoy. How's everybody feeling today? How's everybody feeling today? How's everybody feeling today? Welcome back to my fellow dreamaholics. Again, uh, a dreamaholic is one who's completely dedicated to making their dreams become a tangible reality. My name is Noel Waller, I'm president of My Dreams Work, and it is a pleasure to be back with you one more time. Um, now, what I want to talk to you about today is something that's really, really, really important. There is an element on this planet that is responsible for everything from peace of mind to tremendous stress. This element is responsible for the greatest advancements for humankind, as well as war and destruction. It has brought families together and it's also torn families apart. The lack of it um, is one of the primary causes for spousal abuse and divorce. The abundance of this has brought about efforts that have saved countless lives. Any human beings who possess an abundance of it can have just about anything that they want in this world. And it is one of the most understood and mishandled elements that has ever existed. Well, what is this element, you ask? What is it? Stop the, the holding us back. No, well, we're excited. We want to know what it is. <laughs> that element, that one ingredient, is called money. Yeah, it's called money, guys. Yes, yes, yes. It's money. Say it with me in your cars. Money. Say it with me on the treadmill. Money. Yes, money is one of the, it is that element. As a coach, you know, I come into contact with a lot of people, you know, and um, one of the biggest hurdles that most people I've met have to overcome is hurdles that have to do with money. It's such an unfortunate thing. Like, it, 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 it's amazing to see how many people are literally living paycheck to paycheck. We're in a time frame where payday loans has become an order of the day with all these exorbitant interest rates. And a lot of people are spending money they don't have to keep up with other people. And, you know, or as one uh, friend of mine once said, broke people buy expensive stuff they can't afford to impress people that they don't know. Right? So, so much of this has become so prevalent. People look really nice. They drive nice cars. They've got nice clothes. They've got lots of nice things, but no money. A lot of what we're doing is living on credit, in fact, these days. And 
because I recognize how big of an issue this is, I really wanted to tackle this issue head on. Because if you could only learn and master the techniques of accumulation and having the resources that not only accumulate but will continue to propagate but long after you've passed on and left this earth, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to have? So let's get into this. Now, the, the first thing that each one of us needs to be clear on is that prosperity is available to everybody everywhere. I'm going to say it again. Prosperity is available to every single solitary human being everywhere on the planet. Now, some people will say, well, that sounds absolutely ludicrous. That's nuts. Have you heard about different countries where there's tremendous poverty? Um, yeah, I live in one. You know, Canada is a beautiful country, but we got poverty here. Uh, you got poverty in the United States. You got poverty in Australia. You got poverty in the United Kingdom. You've got poverty. Pick a country. You've got poverty everywhere. And you've also got wealth and opulence everywhere. And you know, and but let's get straight down to sort of beating up on some of these myths that exist, okay? Now, one of the places on the planet where, let's go to an extreme, let's go to India for a moment. Now, as many of you know, and as I know, India is a country that is actually one of the fastest growing economies on the planet. It is one of our emerging markets. The liberalization of their financial structure has completely changed the landscape. But even still, yes, in India you've got poverty. And India has something called a caste system. Well, what is a caste system? It's a system in which whatever station in life that you are born in, then that's where you're supposed to stay. So if you were born into wealth, that's where you stay. If you were born into the middle income earner bracket, that's where you stay. If you were born into poverty, that's where you stay. And systematically, there is discrimination waged against some of those who may hack, even carry the surnames of people who are part of certain castes. And so let me give you an example of one. There's, um, there's a caste known as the Dalit caste in India. Now, the Dalit caste, you need to understand, is one of the groups in which the illiteracy rate is extraordinary. Lack of education is unreal. And people who are part of that particular caste, it is one of India's lowest among the castes. People in that, a lot of them, just by virtue of their last name, are discriminated against because it's clear to see what caste you're in based on what your surname is. Well, check out this story. I mean, I'm going to read this out because I thought that this was extraordinary. You know, there was a gentleman by the name of Ashok Kedi, for instance, and he was born in a mud hut in Ped village in Maharashtra. Now, Kedi belonged to a family of Chamaras, a elite subcaste that is among the lowest in the caste hierarchy. And he's one of six children from a poor, illiterate cobbler. And Kedi's childhood was, a t- was typical of a elite story of exclusion. As a young adult, he worked at the dockyard by day and studied for a diploma in engineering by night, sleeping under staircases as he could not afford to pay rent for a home. Well, today, the 56-year-old is a millionaire, heading the $100 million DAS offshore engineering company, an oil engineering company with 4,500 people on its payroll. 
Talk about coming up against all the odds. This guy was not given any handouts. There was nobody saying, well, because it's you, I'm going to take care of you. He didn't have any of that. This is a guy, who, he, he was self-educated. He had to go and work for it. And he made the sacrifices, and he made it. Now, some people may say, well, that's just one example. How can you just use one? Anybody could just pick one example from anywhere. Well, why couldn't you be that example? If he did it, why can't you? Okay, okay, now let's go to another region of the world for a moment, okay? Let's go to Brazil. Beautiful Brazil. Well, there are parts of Brazil that are absolutely picturesque and fantastic, but there are also places that are pretty rough. And this lady by the name of Maria de Graças, she was born in 1950 in a favela slum, a part of Rio de Janeiro, known as the Complexo do Almeio. And, you know, and according to um, the Val Economico, that's via the, via the Financial Times, she started out working at the age of eight, collecting waste paper, bottles of aluminum, and cans to sell just for her school things. Again, here we have another person who had to do it on their own. They worked. These aren't people who did stuff that was criminal. They just worked. They worked hard, you know. And because of her hard work, she paid for her, her own schooling. And she studied hard in the area of science. She went on to do an engineering degree, and she also has a degree in chemical and nuclear engineering, and she has a doctorate in economics. Well, guess what happened to Maria? Right now, she is the CEO of one of the world's, world's number five petroleum companies. Isn't that pretty amazing? Like, Started, talk about starting from the bottom, now we're here, right? <laughs> she really has come from an amazing place. You need to understand, okay, guys? Like, she, as she was coming up in that area, these are drug-ridden, crime-ridden, um, gang-ridden areas, but she found a way to make it happen. If she can do it, so can you, and so can I, right? Now, let's come to the shores of North America for a minute, okay? Now, we've got this gentleman by the name of Farah Gray, and he, he's the CEO of Farah Gray Publishing. Now, when most six-year-olds were worried about what time their favorite cartoon came on, uh, you know, Farah had a whole different thought in his mind. He was already an entrepreneur. He was going door-to-door in his inner city of Chicago selling hand-painted rocks as bookends to help his ailing mother make ends meet. You got to remember, his mom had cancer, right? So she wasn't well. Now, he was trying to figure out a way to improve his family's home life, and this is really what sparked something big in him. By the time he was 17, he had founded and operated several businesses, including KidsTel, a prepaid phone card company, and Far Out Foods, a food company targeting young adults, which grossed $1.5 million in sales before he sold it. At age of 20, he wrote his first book called Real Yanair, Nine Steps to Becoming Rich Inside and Out. Pretty impressive, right? Again, nothing given to this person. Came from nothing and has worked hard and has created something. Now, let's come to my, my country, Canada. You got Arlene Dickinson. She's one of the most recognized entrepreneurs out here. She's worth about $80 million and, and climbing, and, but that was never a part of her early life. She was married at the age of 19, and she was a mother of four by age 27. Her divorce at age 31 ended with her losing custody of her kids because she didn't have the resources to support them. 
Sounds familiar? A lot of single moms out there. This is Arlene. Take a, take a good listen to this. She rebuilt her life. She went to work at a debt collector while she was ducking them herself. A lot of dead-end jobs until she caught on at, at Venture Communications, which she took over in 1988. Now she's very popular. She's on a TV show called The Dragon's Den, where she helps others slay the dragon of financial hardship. These are real people, regular people. They were not born with this. But they took opportunities, they worked hard and they studied. And you know, I'll give you one last example. Uh, and this is actually a guy who I met him uh, when he was 19 years of age, he's now 30. And when I met Rodrigo Gonzalez, you know, I remember when he first came into my sales office and he was really rough around the edges guy, you know, and um, you know, he's from South America, you know, and he got mixed up with some of the wrong people and some of the wrong elements. And he ended up um, getting a criminal record, right? And when you, you all know that when you get a criminal record, it's very difficult to find legitimate work because a lot of people just don't want to take you on. One of the first things they ask you on an application is, do you have a criminal record, right? And unfortunately, um, even though people may have already paid the price for the mistakes that they've made, they're made to continue paying because people don't trust, right? And it's sad, but it's a reality. So... As a person with a criminal record, his choices were tremendously limited, right, in terms of what he could do. And when I met him, he was with his girlfriend. They had just had a baby. So here he is, 19 years old, got a baby, got a criminal record, I guess, and a bunch of things not going his way, <laughs> right? But Rodrigo went to work. And he, and I never forget, when he went out there and knocked on those doors on days when it was really cold outside, you know, and he always had that attitude where, I'm going to win, I'm going to succeed, let's go. And people followed him because of his work ethic. Well, Rodrigo um, eventually left that company and he tried a couple other different things. He ended up getting back into the world of direct sales, you know, and along with, um, you know, the lady of his life, they decided to rebuild, you know, and they began rebuilding. And literally within three years, he's become a millionaire. <laughs> Way to go, Rodrigo. I'm proud of you, buddy. So I'm trying to tell you that anybody who really will put their mind to it can create whatever it is that they want. I don't care if you are from Africa, Asia, South Asia, Europe, the UK, Australia, the Scandinavian countries, the Caribbean, South, South or Central America, Canada, or the United States of America. It doesn't matter where you're from. Anywhere you're from, prosperity is available if you're willing to look out for it. Now, some people will ask, well, what about people with disabilities? You know, physical disabilities can be debilitating and how could they be in positions of power or generate wealth for themselves? Well, I mean, think back to the former president of the United States from many moons ago. His name was Franklin Roosevelt. He led the United States from a wheelchair. How about Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles? I mean, they can't see the world, but they, have but they touch lives all over the world with their music. You want to hear, some you want to hear some somebody who has a real excuse? Check out this guy, Nick Wojcik. Nick was born with no hands and no arms. Google him, guys. Just Google him, please. Born with no arms and no legs. If there was anybody who was born with a reason to quit, it was him. He, he decided to turn 
his challenge into a triumph for others, demonstrating that anything is possible if you set your mind to it. And I remember I saw Nick when I was at the Oprah Winfrey show in Houston, Texas, and you know, and he came on and he shared a bit of his story. And when you see a person come from that space, and now like he's traveling the world, he's making a lot of money, he's got a beautiful wife, and you know, they're building a family. Wow. And it's interesting because people who would have criticized him as a child and picked on him now are looking at him saying, oh man, he's so lucky. <laughs> interesting how things, the tides can turn. Good for, good for you, Nick. So when I'm speaking to you right now, I need you to be clear that I'm not trying to speak to you from a place of judgment, okay? Like this. So I'll just share a little bit about my story so that you, you, you'll get a keener sense of where I'm coming from, all right? Now, myself coming up as a kid... My, I was born in Ottawa, and then you know my mom, when she was finishing up um, her degree, I had, I had to go live for uh, a year, or about almost two years, with my grandmother. Uh, when my mom finished up her degree, she um, she came for me, and then we ended up moving over to Vancouver. When we first got to Vancouver, uh, mom did not have suitable housing for us, so we had to stay in hostels for a little while, right? And when we stayed in these hostels or shelters, uh, the um, now remember this is well over like 30 years ago. You know, this is a long time ago. You know what I mean? But when we were in that hostel, I'll never forget. You know, some nights being afraid to go to sleep because you're afraid of something either happening to you or somebody taking your stuff. You know, in the middle of the night. You had people. Some of those people that were in the hostel. Let's just say this. I guess there were some people who may have been emotionally and mentally challenged, you know what I mean, who are in that place. People, a lot, some people weren't stable. There were people who were drug addicts, hardcore alcoholics. It was a really scary moment, but we had to stay there for the, little, for the little while that we did until mom was able to get suitable housing for us. Once we were established, there we got our own place. Then my mom got another opportunity here in Toronto, Canada, right? And so coming to Toronto, we didn't have a place to stay. And so my mom's brother, you know, and his, and his wife, they were good enough to take us in. And, you know, they lived in Brampton, Ontario, Canada, which is a suburb of Toronto. And they took us in. And I remember there was like, I think six of us kids, you know, in that house, you know, and there was three adults. And this is like a little, you know, two and a kind of a half bedroom <laughs> place. So, Myself and my cousins, we get to sleep lengthways across the bed, you know, and God forbid you're the person in the middle. It really sucks when people roll in their sleep, right? <laughs> so, you know, this is where we came from. If, if somebody didn't have a heart of giving, because not all siblings take care of each other in the way that my mom and her siblings have taken care of each other. Like, he really took care of us, you know, and, and, and I'm always grateful. You never forget where you come from, you know what I'm saying? And so, I've come from this. Like, we, we didn't start out with stuff. We left there and my mom got our first home here, you know, that we owned in Canada, you know, but it was a struggle to get there. My mother worked really hard to put me in leadership programs to, um, to, to get me into uh, uh, areas of personal growth and development, which oddly enough I ended up into, right? <laughs> here we are. But I remember, you know, at one point um, I was married and unfortunately, you know, there was a breakdown in that marriage. And as a result, when I went through my divorce, obviously, there's, were, uh, I, I didn't want to go home, you know, because I was embarrassed. You know, as a grown man, failed at marriage and felt horrible about the whole situation. And 
for a while, I slept on my cousin Perry's couch in a solarium, you know, like in an apartment building. Like there was like a couple of feet between me and the glass, you know. <laughs> and I slept on that couch for a good couple of months. I didn't want to go home because I felt like I had failed, you know. And it was for a person who's got pride, it was, it was extremely humiliating, you know. And so, and I know some people will be saying, it's not a big deal, why don't you just go home? Well, all of us are different, right? And for me, it was one of the worst feelings ever. And so I did what I felt I had to do for that time period. So, and I remember at a time when, I want you to think about this, having money, because I, I found this direct sales company going door to door and business to business, and making you know six-figure income, and then end up losing my business, and later I rebuilt it, and finding myself right back where I started. In fact, worse off than I started. And I'll never forget the day I rolled into a, a gas station and I thought I had a couple of dollars like in the cushions of my car. And it turns out I miscalculated. So I went and put $3 gas in my car, you know, and thinking that I had it in the car that I realized I didn't. So when I had to go to the guy with the $1 and, and he's like, okay, dude, don't worry about it, just go, you know. I, that's the kind of stuff I've been through. So when I'm speaking to you, please let me let you know that I'm not speaking to you from a space of judgment. I know all about collection agencies. I understand, because yeah, I've had them come after me too. I know all about having those hand-delivered notices to your door telling you that the hydro is going to get cut or the gas is going to get cut or the cable is going to get cut. I've experienced it. In fact, I even developed a phobia of going to the mailbox. You know, And so when I'm talking to you, I took on a different education which has changed, which ch- totally changed things in my life and I began to understand how real wealth is created, where it truly comes from and since I've learned it, I haven't looked back. I want to get into this with you so that if you may be going through some of the challenges that I've just shared, I'm telling you right now, you can literally solve this problem in a matter of months. A matter of months. You can turn it around. It's like one of my mentors, Joe Bauer, says, you may take 20 and 30 years to totally mess up your life, but you can clean it all up within a couple of months. You know? And so, and that's available for everybody. This concludes part one of this message.